Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish, Joe Ranieri. It's our second hour of our Monday edition of the show. May the 4th be with you. If you missed any of our great Star Wars content, great is loosely termed. But either way, go back and watch it on demand. Just go to our YouTube channel or just hit that rewind button. It'll take you back. I ranked every single Star Wars movie and all of the prequels, the sequels, and everything in between 1 through 11. Catch them on demand on our YouTube channel, of course, which is SportsGrid. Also uh, on the show, Joe and I talked very briefly, although we can you know, certainly reset uh, the topic again. Really, in sports over the weekend, the biggest story, Joe, essentially, was a backup quarterback signing in the NFL. Certainly, Leonard Fournette knows he won't have a fifth year on his contract. John Ross knows that he won't have a fifth year on his contract. But Andy Dalton has a destination for 2020, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. And certainly, when you look at backup quarterbacks in the NFL – at this stage, Dalton being a starter in the year for over a decade, uh, pretty good landing spot for him in Dallas. I think we both expect that Prescott eventually will get paid and will start. But just in case anything goes sour, they got to got to pretty much step in and do a good job. Yeah, you're gonna have to uh, gonna have to do something. We know how valuable a backup quarterback is in the uh, the NFL, and he might very well be one of the most versatile and um, complete quarterbacks uh, as a number two that there is in the league. He's going to know that offense. He's going to be able to step in for Dallas. And uh, they could not have – who else? Kellen Moore, like, back in – like, who, who's been Dallas's backup? <laughs> you know, it's like – so, yeah, good for them. Yeah, ex- good for them. I think it's the – I think it's a smart move. Only $3 million bucks, I think, is what it cost them. So, if he plays, he's got incentives. But – uh uh, good for Dallas. I think Jerry uh, got lucky again and and moved before anybody else did. Good for Jerry. Yeah, and, and he could make up to $7 million. But look, I think that we would both agree, similar to uh, Matt Hasselbeck and some mm-hmm. of the other quarterbacks in the NFL, Dalton, if he chooses to, my guess, uh, under a very minimum salary, if he wanted to be the backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for the next five years and make another $5 million, if he loves it, he absolutely can do it. And it's not for everybody. Like, I don't think we would anticipate Tom Brady being a backup, Peyton Manning being a backup. I don't think Drew Brees is going to be a backup at any stage. I'm not even sure Cam Newton is going to be a backup. But for a guy like Andy Dalton, um, you know, and chasing a ring, for sure, chasing a Super Bowl appearance, for sure, chasing a uh, AFC or NFC championship, for sure, it certainly does make a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things also, Joe and I went back and we talked about were the old Star Wars toys, so make sure you... Go back and check that out. I came prepared for the show today, of course, and uh, oh, yeah. we got a little uh, the old Chewbacca here. That's an original Chewbacca, by the way, right there from uh, wow. 1978. Right That's there. crazy. Mm. Oh, and there he is also carrying his uh, Darth Vader That's case me. there. That's it. Look at that. Ridiculous. Can't get that anymore. All right. So here, so I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show you uh, two Star Wars figures right okay. now before we go to our uh, our futures bets. Let me see. And I'm going to ask you to go two for two. Go ahead. Okay. One is easy. And I think I think actually both are, for the average Star Wars fan, both are easy. And both okay. are from the original series. Okay. So this is an easy one. Okay. This is an original one as well from 1970-something. Let's see. Uh, that would have been, uh, by, that's my boy, R2-D2 right there. That's what, that's yes, what that's we got. Yep. R2-D2. Yep. That's not bad. Not bad condition. Does the head turn still? Is that uh, I yep, believe uh, right? <laughs> yep. Remember that well. Yep. Uh oh. And then this one. This this is. I I think this is still a relatively easy one. Again, I don't have many of the figures left over. It's like it feels like if you're watching the show, you must think I have so many. I've told you my sad story. All right. Here's the other one. You ready? Go ahead. Oh, that was. Uh, that's Webster, isn't it? Not Webster. Um. <laughs> 
You know what I meant. What's it? No, I don't know what. No. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an Ewok, isn't that? Isn't that what it is? It's what? an Ewok. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Webster? It's a wrong TV Webster? show. It's a different TV show. Sorry about that. I don't even know if we can air this show. Webster? <laughs> Worth the price of admission just for your face right there. That was fantastic. <laughs> Guy from Different Strokes? Gary <laughs> Coleman, yes, absolutely. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no more Star Wars toys for this show. Don't you dare throw. Don't you test me, man. Oh. Didn't they get their own spinoff, too? Didn't they get a cartoon or something, Ewoks? I think they, Ewoks, they had one or something. I don't they know. did, they yeah. They they got a, There was a lot of spinoff from that, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Webster wasn't one of them. Definitely not Webster. <laughs> okay. Back to things that Joe knows. Let's uh, do the uh, NFL futures bets for 2020. Today we're going to take a look at, I think, one of the more interesting teams, uh, a team that I was wrong about last year. I definitely, one of my, wasn't my favorite one, but one of the top three or four that I would have had would have been betting under on Houston. And, and, man, they were a very big surprise to me last year, and they played very well in the regular season and, of course, got smashed. In the uh, in the playoffs by the Chiefs, I think they went up like, didn't they go up twenty one nothing on the Chiefs and then got smashed or something like that? I don't know. Yep. But uh, I don't know how they did it last year. I honestly don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the things that they've done, and of course, not having Hopkins there is, I, I think, a little bit problematic. But they, uh, you know, Vegas is very very sour on the Texans this year, Joe. Yes, um, their total is seven and a half. Wow. For 2020, and and it's leaning toward the under. At a minus one twenty as well. If you, you're a little optimistic on Houston, you can go over seven and a half plus one hundred. Their odds to win the AFC this year are twenty four to one. Their odds to win the AFC South, there's not a ton of value there at three to one because you would probably guess that they have a shot. It's not totally unreasonable, but there's just not a lot of hope there for Houston. I don't feel like they're in a rebuild mode, but Joe, it sort of seems like where they're headed here. Yeah, I uh, I don't. To me, this all comes down to their offensive line again. I know they gave uh, somebody uh, we know here, Laramie Tunsil uh, from Miami, gave him a whole lot of money now uh, in order to anchor that line. And it's always kind of been the biggest question mark there. They've got David Johnson. They're you know they got Brandon. They've added a couple of pieces on offense. What are they gonna Not do? Uh, Not uh, uh, this is all gonna come down to Deshaun Watson. To me. How you protect Deshaun Watson and give him an opportunity to make some plays for you. Uh, if not, I fear Deshaun Watson's heading down the same path Cam Newton did, where they they do they focus on other areas and don't protect your one biggest asset. And I think that's kind of where Deshaun Watson unfortunately is heading. So I hope they figure it out. But eight wins is tough in this division right now man as good as he is um that's tough given the changes that they've gone through right now yeah i mean he was he was a one-man show last year yeah. i remember he made some plays to win games for them at the end of games just throwing balls up in the air and yep. um i yep. mean he doesn't get enough credit for the kind of quarterback that he is and i don't think that it's trending very well for him in particular with the way that they're headed i think david johnson is done I think he is finished. I, I know that Houston got him, and they're going to attempt to give him the ball a lot. But, look, they, they definitely found a diamond in the rough last year with Carlos Hyde. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard to find lightning like that uh, uh, twice in the NFL at running back. And I'm not sure what Hyde has left. Maybe he's back with them. I'm, I'm not even sure. But I don't think David Johnson Joe has any at all. I saw him play last year. This guy hasn't been healthy in two years. And honestly, I mean, that whole trade essentially, I guess, was just about not wanting to extend Hopkins. But what has David Johnson shown in the last two years that make you think that this guy could get even close to 1,000 yards in a season? I mean, I put Gurley above him, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I just I was shocked. I mean, the, the number one pick in fantasy football three years ago, potentially out of the league after this year. It's kind of time is running out for him. So he's got the, if, uh, if Bill O'Brien can reignite and, and some people say just wasn't a good fit there with Kingsbury, didn't utilize him in the right way. Well, okay, um, here you go, Bill. Let's, uh, you know, you've kind of, you've kind of done the dance around in, uh, in Houston for a while with, uh, with different running backs. I, it, it'll be interesting to see, but I don't know what to anticipate. I don't think you're ever going to get back to what he was, what, a couple of years ago. I, 
I, I don't I don't know what they were thinking. I know what they were thinking, but maybe they think he's got a little left in the tank here. I hope for their sake, I hope he does. But I don't know that I'd be drafting him in uh, in fantasy anytime soon. No. They brought him in a game late last year and gave him a carry. A guy looked like he couldn't even walk. They took I him agree. out of the game. Drake did a great job with Arizona. And so yep. uh, I got no real opinion on Houston because I was so far on their under last year and it didn't even come close. But again, some lucky wins at the end of the game. Maybe yep. instead of a 10-win team, they become an 8-win team. But another team that I believe is not in rebuild mode. I think that they are going to try and win now. There is pressure on that team to win now, especially with what happened to them in the playoffs. So yep. that's the story with the Houston Texans. Now let's move on to a team that at least the odds seem to be a lot more bullish on, and that is, of course, the Indianapolis Colts. And sort of another team that I don't really get the love here for as well, they're over 8.5 is minus 160. Okay. Uh, under 8.5 plus 135, I suppose the way the view is, is that it was all simply a matter of the quarterbacking last year in Indianapolis. At least that's kind of what this points to. Now, uh, they did draft a uh, another running back there, so we'll see what Jonathan Taylor has to add. Their odds to win the AFC are significantly better than Houston's at 12 to one, and they're the favorite, or close to the favorite in the uh, in the AFC South. So I think that there is certainly a chance at plus 135 that this could end up hitting. But Joe, for me, the Colts, I, I just I, I can't go all in on Philip Rivers at this stage based on what I saw last year. So if I'm going to lean any particular way, it definitely would be toward the under eight and a half. Great coaching there in Indy. Great. Uh, great defense uh, linebacker there too. Okay, defensive backs, good offensive line, really good game planning. I think it's one of my favorite teams in terms of game planning in the NFL with Frank Reich. But I just I don't, I don't see the Colts as a nine or ten win team. Yeah, it's. Um, I think they did a great job in the draft. They found a great uh, compliment to T. Y. Hilton on the outside. It's always been kind of the head scratching there in that wide receiver room with them outside of T.Y. And then when he got hurt, like, what, what are we, where do we go now? Mac has been great for them. I, I love that they brought in Jonathan uh, Taylor. I think they, you bring in a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, getting up there, not a lot left in the tank, but what do you do? You surround him with more weapons. This will be the best offensive line Phillip Rivers has played behind in forever is what it's going to seem like. I don't think they're going to ask Phillip Rivers to be the end-all, be-all, like in many situations they did with the Chargers, where he gets to the end of the game and he just feels like he's got to chuck it up because what the hell else are they going to do there in big moments? Frank Wright is definitely a step up over uh, Anthony Lynn, in my opinion. So uh, can they win nine games? Um, yeah, I, I do think if they don't get hit by the injury bug, I think this is a pretty darn good team coming out of, the, uh, coming out of that AFC South. What do you think happened with Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, I, I, I get the sense that that contract extension that they gave him last year was, I don't want to say it was a panic extension, but I think that they had to show their fan base that the season wasn't going to be a total disaster when Andrew Luck retired. Right. And they sent the message essentially saying, hey, look, we're going to be okay. We have our quarterback in the future. Because if you do, if you don't do that, it could send them into just a complete tailspin. I feel like they had to back a guy, and that's why they did it last year. And by the way, with Luck retiring, they also were able to save a lot of money, which right. kind of gave them set the money too. But I suppose beyond 2020, uh, it wouldn't make much sense for them to even hang on to Percent because if he doesn't have any money guaranteed to him, they're probably going to let him go. Yeah, and, and listen, he was the backup to Andrew Luck anyway. He wasn't going to play anytime soon, but with the injury history of Luck, they felt pretty confident Jacoby Brissett could possibly move into that starting role. It just happened faster than, unfortunately, they were anticipating once Luck retired. And I thought he did a pretty good job. I thought injuries really changed the dynamic of the Colts. The kicking game changed. You know, Vinatieri got the yips all of a sudden now, and what should have been automatic wasn't. There were so there were a lot of things that went wrong for Brissett. But I, Frank Frank, obviously looking at both quarterback goes. Philip Rivers gets us a a shot to win now, and then we still holding on to Jacoby Brissett. Another year under somebody like uh, like Philip Rivers, and if they need him, uh, what better backup quarterback than uh, than Brissett right now? But uh, they got to win now, apparently, and that's kind of what how they drafted and and how they're looking at it. 
All right, so that's our look at a couple of features in the NFL. As we mentioned, uh, Dallas ends up signing Andy Dalton. Uh, Des Bryant, a former wide receiver of the Cowboys, Joe, yesterday came out and essentially said that, uh, you know, like he was like bashing the move. I just don't know for Des Bryant where the awareness is. Does anybody really think that the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton to be their starting quarterback? They, I mean, they signed him in a drop-dead scenario. If they can't get Dak signed, okay. But that's like the small piece of the puzzle there. I don't know what Des Bryant is even saying. Honestly, it makes no sense. I'm not sure why anybody's even listening to Des Bryant anymore. He, yeah, he compared like Tony Romo getting contracts and like, yeah, you know, he's listening, supporter of Dak, and I get it. But the reality is $3 million is not going to make a break if they pay Dak Prescott long term. So uh, I get your, your, you got his back, Des. You were at his house for his birthday party. I get it. But yeah, no, it just wasn't the right time or the right comparison. And finally, did you see Antonio Brown back on Instagram posting a picture of him in a Baltimore Ravens uniform? I know that they've been working out together here in South Florida, but my guess is is that the Baltimore Ravens are probably not signing Antonio Brown. And by the way, anybody that signs Antonio Brown probably understands he's suspended for a couple of games at least going into the year, right? I, I don't know why. Uh, it would be nice. I know he's pushing for it, but... I do not see, especially the way they drafted and what they've got going on into the season, I don't know that they would ever risk it with uh, with Antonio Brown. They got his brother. I mean, I'll give him that, but uh, he's not his brother, certainly from a demeanor standpoint as well. Yeah. All right. Well, what we'll do is uh, we're going to take a timeout here on Fantasy Sports today for us to collect our thoughts. Coming up next, what we're going to do is have our stadium tour coming up next. We'll hit on one baseball. And we've got a college basketball today. So two different stadiums, two different historic teams, uh, one in baseball, one in basketball. We'll cover those next. Also, don't forget, Joe and I here every day, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on FST. A little bit later, you can catch Pharrell as he goes coast to coast every single day for three hours right here on Sports Grid. So make sure you catch his show and all of the other shows here that are on SportsGrid. Also, don't forget SportsGrid.com has all of our content posted there. You can go and watch all of our shows as well as uh, we timestamp everything and let you know exactly what we talk about each segment, which is not something that a lot of people do. It keeps you really compelled. You can fast forward, rewind any of the part of the show that you like. We'll be right back after this as we hit a couple of stadiums. Don't go away. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show on this May the 4th. And, you know, we could probably do... Instead of our historical stadium tour, historical Star Wars ships, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, the Millennium Falcon would be one. I think that would be the okay. uh, Star Destroyer, the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Death Star, I would definitely. Say so. yeah, we could use all those. Yep. Hoth, remember when it was freezing cold? Remember that area too? Do you have, did you have the Hoth place that, Joe? That's worth a lot of money now. Is it really? I did not, but... Um... I got to imagine a lot of these. Are, I mean, how from a collector's not really nothing crazy. No, they have to be in there in you know on not played with you know. And Box. come on, I yeah. Mean, when we were, is, who did that? I mean, when we were kids, we were opening those things. You know? That was the whole point. Otherwise, who would uh, who would sit there and get like, oh wow, Darth Vader, and let me not open it? Like that just wasn't. I mean, can, I mean, now I understand because everyone does it and they become become collectibles now. You don't open the things and you save them, but back then, like. What person bought a Star Wars toy to hoard and not open? Like, it's just unthinkable to me. Strange. And the wrestling figures, too. People didn't open their wrestling figures. I had those, too, in the 80s. Yep. Like, yep. Uh, I got a Hulk Hogan toy. Let me not open this and put it aside. I mean, 
What? Didn't make any sense. Yes, didn't make any sense. You got him in order to play with him and beat him to uh, beat him into a pulp. That was the whole point. Right now, now baseball cards were a little bit different because you kind of knew at some point they were collectibles. They made sealed sets. They made sealed packs. Right. Uh, that that made some sense. You know, right. you're gonna help you hold them, and then 20 years you may open them. That's like a, a good bottle of wine. But yeah. I had an Andre the Giant and Big John Stud fight. I couldn't do it in the packaging. Didn't good make point. sense. Yep, yeah. And then yeah, it's a, a lot of truth. It didn't work with uh, with them still in their bag and their uh, box. No. Came in. I agree. Yep. So I didn't, I didn't have any Star Wars toys boxed. Nothing. And the figures themselves are like a handful of bucks. Six, seven, ten bucks. Oh, all right. Know. So interesting. It didn't really. Hmm. You know what happened was they were worth a lot more money. And eBay opened up the world to be able to buy whatever you wanted at that point. And so, you know, eBay is the best thing in the world. And it's also for some collectibles, the worst, because it made things that were almost impossible to get now very easy to get. You just go on there. Yep. So true. Yep. That's part of that, that conversation. But coming up a little bit later in the show, make sure you stay tuned because we are going to go through my top 11 there are only 11, so my I'll rank 1 through 11 Star Wars movies all time, 1 through mm. 11. And then we'll even double down on that, and Joe Pizzapia is going to join us a little bit later in the show. He's got his top Star Wars movies of all time and the top characters of all time as well. Love it. Some scintillating stuff. And some comedy, I will assure you, will ensue. I have a feeling on that. I can't be sure, but I have a feeling. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. Some good Joe Ranieri references will come. To, I have a feeling about that. Okay, so for today, we're running thin on the baseball here. But for today, I thought that what we would do is a baseball theme and a basketball theme for our best franchises and best players in franchise history and stadiums. Okay. And so I didn't want to go too far back with this one. I wanted to get a, like a more recent one and then a historical one. So for baseball, surprisingly, when you think about it, Joe, the there's basically been four teams that are of the newer variety outside of the Washington Nationals. Now the Nationals were, of course, the Washington Ex- or the uh, Montreal Expos, excuse right. me. But but the pseudo expansion teams of the late '90s were the Rockies, who have gotten themselves to a World Series. Right. The Rays, who have gotten themselves to a World Series and also been a pretty successful franchise over the last decade. The Marlins, that have two World Series championships since mm-hmm. 1993. And then the team that we're going to discuss today, the Arizona Diamondbacks. And believe it or not, for those of you who forgot, the Arizona Diamondbacks have a World Series championship under their belt as well. So let's start off with Arizona today and go to their stadium, which is, of course, Chase Field in Phoenix. Yep. It opened up in 1998. There are some people who feel eventually they're going to get a new stadium. Maybe, maybe they won't. That city is really tough on building new places outside of the beautiful football stadium that they built in Glendale, which is absolutely gorgeous. But uh, they renovated a lot of spring training places. Chase Field now... Believe it or not, one of the older stadiums in Major League Baseball, home of the Arizona Diamondbacks and Joe World Series championships, they have won. And I would guess that you probably remember that World Series in Game 7 of what happened in that game. Yeah, thanks for uh, bringing up just uh, awful memories there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, It was uh, as disappointing as they come. But, uh, listen, i got to give them uh, credit and credit the organization for doing what a lot of those uh, late expansion teams, like you mentioned, did, is they managed to put it together uh, in a short period of time and managed to bring the hardware home. So there are, and we know, an awful lot of teams that have been around a lot longer still waiting to get that elusive uh, hardware. So uh, kudos to the uh, Arizona team and uh, Colangelo and everyone else pretty much owns all of them. Essentially, within three years, the Diamondbacks are, are uh, in a World Series and winning a World Series. And yep. I think a lot of people remember Luis Gonzalez's hit off uh, Mariano Rivera in uh, in Game 7. And certainly yep. one of the more exciting World Series in, in history as well. So in this limited history that we have with the Diamondbacks, let's take a look at the best players that have ever put on a Diamondbacks uniform. And Randy Johnson is, is one of those very few Hall of Famers like uh, Frank Robinson is a good example of another one with Baltimore and Cincinnati. There are a couple of other players as well. That's probably going back beyond some people's days. But Randy Johnson is kind of an icon, Joe, with Seattle and Arizona, you know? Yep, like he really, I mean, Montreal, he got it all started. 
but he wasn't there long enough to really make that big of an impact. I think that he was only with them for two years, if I'm not mistaken, and that was it. Uh, but when he was with Seattle, that's where things started getting going. And then he ends up winning the World Series with Arizona, moves on to the Yankees and Diamondbacks, but uh, goes into the Hall of Fame. And and I think that most people associate him with Ona. He's a special assistant for them as well. So yep. um, that's where we'll start. Uh, Kurt Schilling, hand in hand right there, right? I mean, I, I guess, I mean, Kurt Schilling is another one of those that like, where, who do you associate him with, Joe? Do you associate him as a member of the Phillies who he got to his first World Series with? Do you associate him... As a Diamondback, where he won the World Series, do you associate him as a Boston Red Sox? We won a World Series, two World Series with after that. Tough yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Bloody Sock is what comes to mind there, I think, is what uh, most people remember Schilling for. But uh, that duo, Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, uh, in those Arizona days were just, uh, that was as good as it came in, uh, in Major League Baseball, that's for sure. Yeah, and I got to tell you that I mean to me with with Schilling, it's one of the more disappointing things to see him not in the Hall of Fame because I definitely think that he deserves to be in there right next to Randy Johnson. Absolutely. And, and simply put, the only reason why he is not in there is for his political takes. And and by the way, I get it. He is a really tough follow uh, on on social media, and I follow him for the baseball stuff, not for the political stuff. But like he will go in on anyone on politics like you could be an egg on twitter joe and have one follower and he will argue with you and fight with you for an hour and a half and yep. at four in the morning too like yep. i mean I, I don't get it i don't understand it and it's a shame that that has kept him out it yep. shouldn't he should be in the hall of fame he should have been in the hall of fame last year but my guess is is that in 2021 he's got a pretty good shot the class is not great in 2021 I think it'll happen. Guess. It should happen. And, and yeah, but unfortunately, some guys just can't help himself. He happens to be one of them. Yeah, I, I just, I've, yeah. I've never understood the infatuation with that. But uh, Luis Gonzalez, one of the nicest guys around, ended up with the Marlins at the end of his career. Got a chance mm. to know him pretty good. What a great guy he was. A long career. And with the Diamondbacks, ended up really cementing his place in baseball history with that base hit. He also had that one monster year with the Diamondbacks where he hit uh, 58 home runs or whatever it was, a crazy number with the, with the Diamondbacks. So he goes there. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, many years as an all-star with, with Arizona, moving to uh, St. Louis. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe, people forget about Brandon Webb, Cy Young Award winner, and then, and then second place twice. Good point. And Webb, unfortunately, had a serious shoulder injury. It just ended his career career very quickly he could have been a 20-year pitcher in the big leagues it only ended up being six or seven years but he was really good with yep. Arizona no one yep. ever talks about it yeah he had a stretch there where he was uh, certainly from a fantasy perspective was pretty valuable too to have in a rotation was he not yeah absolutely yep. yeah yep. he was a top 10 pitcher for four years in a row yep and then uh finally we'll close it out with my buddy Brad Ziegler got to put him on the list uh, most is all time for the Arizona Diamondbacks and ended up finishing up his career with them as well. Uh, different sort of era, but uh, Brad was as solid as it came as a big league reliever and wanted to make sure that in terms of icons that he made it onto this list. Uh, anybody that you you think I forgot, Joe, I think that this was a pretty extensive list. I don't really feel like I, I missed out on anyone. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good list. Who would you put as far as uh, maybe on the uh, iconic managers of this uh, organization there? Who would well, you... it, it's weird because, you know, Buck Showalter mm -hmm. essentially – brought this team right to the point, yep. <laughs> just like he did with the Yankees. He brought them right to the point before they won, and then Bob Bradley came in and they won the World Series. Yep, yep. From the booth, too. Did he not? Wasn't he uh, Wasn't he in the booth, Bradley, and they brought him down, or was that after? Uh, he may have been in the Cubs booth I, yeah, and then went to the, the Diamondbacks and then back again. Yep, yep. But so that's... Yeah, Shaw Walter's a guy that, uh, yeah, he had the same type of thing there, but I think people forget just how uh, how how long he was with that Arizona franchise and really got him, got him up and running rather quickly, man. But it just, that's the history of Buck Showalter. Um, Bob Melvin, who's a really yeah. good manager and is now with Oakland. Kirk right. Gibson, who was a great player, not a good manager. Manager, right. Yep. Uh, and now Tori Lovello, who's their manager now. I think that kind of covers it. That's it? Got it. No, you did a good job with that. Finally. Because <laughs> I'm all right. Hit on everything. Uh, Steve Finley was a, was a Diamondbacks player for a while. So very good. Yeah. Uh, Zach Greinke, a couple of years. Jose oh, Valverde was a 
pretty good closer for them. Yep. Yep. And Justin Upton played a few years in Arizona too. There you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty good franchise for as long as they've been around. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot of winning, you would think, and and they seem to be relevant most years, which is can't say that for a lot of teams in Major League Baseball. Yep. All right, so from baseball, let's go over to college basketball, and we've got an iconic stadium. Now, I, I wasn't familiar at all with this guy, Simon something. Yep. Assembly Hall. That's what we know it as. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I, I just call it Assembly Hall, but I guess that we'll just throw the name on there, too. Opened up in 1971, home of the Indiana Hoosiers, and they've won three college basketball championships since 1971. They won one previous to 1971 as well. Hmm. Uh, Joe, Indiana basketball uh, these days is not as synonymous with winning titles as it was in the 70s, the 80s, and even the 90s to a degree. Why do you think that the Hoosiers have sort of slipped up a little bit? Do they not have the athletes that the other teams have? It's just they're kind of not not as relevant as they used to be, I feel like. Tough to be a um, tough to be a contender in a world of social media, and uh, you know, in Indiana, there's not a whole lot going on uh, if you're going to go there. And while they have a great tradition, uh, recruiting is everything, especially in college basketball. It's kind of hard to get convinced guys that you know you should go there as opposed to you know Michigan State or Michigan or some of these other programs right now. It's it's kind of hard to convince them to do that. Recruiting and, and all schools, I think, that were once really good in uh, in both basketball and football, finding it hard to uh, convince kids these days that uh, this is the place to come to when you have so many other choices now. Yeah, and, and a lot of these other schools, after one year, are pumping out the NBA players yep. uh, pretty wild. Yep. And, and I didn't have a hard time finding the best Indiana players of all time, but yeah. I did have a hard time finding the best Indiana players of like the last decade. It is not yep. that pretty. Good point. Yep. Yep. Good uh, point. Kind of strange to think about it, but uh, look, uh, above all, when you think about Indiana, there's a couple of things that come to mind. First of all, is the movie Hoosiers with Gene Hackman, of right. course, and then the other is, of course, Bobby Knight yep. as the uh, head coach there for sure. Uh, one of I would say the most polarizing college basketball coaches of all time, a great winner too. So even though he is not a player, he certainly has to be on this list. Now you see the picture there of him with Isaiah Thomas, but Joe, really the one player that I think that is synonymous with Indiana basketball and Bobby Knight is Steve Alford, mm -hmm. who Knight kind of, you know, through the years leaned on, that's putting it nicely, to sort of bring him a, uh, a championship and he ended up coming through. Yeah, no, he did. And this list is, um, uh, that's pretty impressive. Number one and number two, I don't think people realize how uh, how good both of those two guys uh, were. And that era was, there was some pretty good college basketball going on during those uh, during that era. And they were at the top of the game. Yeah, Steve Alford is Isaiah Thomas, one and two for sure. And then we get really thin. Like, I don't know where Indiana basketball has been. Maybe I got to do a better job of looking into this over the last yeah. 10 or 20 years. But uh, Calvert Chaney, of course, was a yes. really, really good college player and also pretty good in the NBA. Scott May, who played in the 70s, I wasn't that all that familiar with, but he was the actually mm -hmm. the college player of the year with Bobby Knight there. And then Alan Henderson was a really good player as well in the, yep. the mid-90s. But since then, Joe, it has been really, really thin mm -hmm. for the Indiana Hoosiers. And look, you could say that about every college basketball team. You could right. find a lot. But in order for the Hoosiers to go back to competing against uh, or competing for Final Fours and college basketball championships again, I mean, they, they have there's, some things have got to change, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the recipe is. But they used to be the team synonymous with college basketball, and now there's probably like five teams that are that have moved ahead of them in that spot. Big time too. And uh, once they they were so. When you you know when you're at the top like that, you have such a figure like uh, Bobby Knight uh, leading uh, the crew, and then you know as Bobby Knight fell out of favor, it really started to go downhill from there. But you, there is a guy out right now that I guess the most recent example that might be able to make this list is the same guy whose birthday it is today. Victor Oladipo was an Indiana Hoosier too, so he would be the only other guy I would go. Yeah, maybe from a recency standpoint. Yeah. Oladipo uh, might be on that list as well. Good point. All right, so that's our stadium tour for today. 
We'll have another one tomorrow, no doubt, on Cinco de Mayo. We'll see if we can come up with uh, with even a better one. We'll also, on Tuesday's show, have a review of The Last Dance. We've kind of promised ourselves on Monday to give you guys an extra 24 hours of the show before we start talking about it. So we will do that on Tuesday. But coming up next, we dive into the best and worst Star Wars movies of all time. It is May the 4th. As they say, may the 4th be with you. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. We're going to take a quick break, and then we come back with our full Star Wars May 4th recap and rankings right after this. Don't go away. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports today, Craig Mish, along with Joe Ranieri, and as you know, we've been talking a little Star Wars on this show. It is May the 4th. Joe is his way through an hour and 40 minutes through the show. Now let's bring in someone who uh, actually is a very big Star Wars fan back in the day, and uh, Joe Bizapia always with strong opinions on virtually everything, and so Star Wars will be no different than that. Joe and I, of course, hosted all football season, and we had our uh, conversations and our Star Wars debate, and we bring them now here. In on May the 4th. Joe, good afternoon. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me on the holiest of all days for Star Wars fans. It's very important. It's a day of observance. It's a day where uh, weird specter people from your past just show up and tell you things like Obi-Wan Kenobi might. And, and I'm getting from what you're saying, Craig, that Joe Ranieri, not the biggest Star Wars fan. Is that what I'm guessing here? Yeah, that would be an understatement. Um, he he did a good job pretending for a while, uh, but we you know he got exposed on a few things there. But he was a very big Star Wars fan of the original uh, the original mid series, the four, five, and six, Joe. But then beyond that, he really yeah. I gotta tell you, know, you Joe, it was uh, it was a lot of that. Once those prequels came out, there was a lot of bong hits, and I just couldn't follow, brother. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I just uh, I can understand that. I I, I kind of feel the pain. I remember in college when Phantom Menace came out, being so excited. I remember going to see the midnight show with a bunch of my friends, and we were so excited. And we saw the movie, and the movie happened, and then. Uh, we kind of maybe a half hour into the movie, we started looking back and forth at each other, going, "It's it's good, right? It's good. It, it is right." And then about forty five minutes in, we're like, "Okay, maybe it's not as good as we hoped it would be." And then an hour and a half in, we're going, it, "It's it's it's a movie, right? It's still a movie." And then by the end, we were all just disappointed and confused. Um, yeah, Jar Jar Binks was kind of rough, and no, I'm not I'm with you, Joe. The, the prequel's not very good. Bong hits would have been a better idea. I, I'm I'm much. definitely can support that message. Thank you. See, Mish. Okay, it still gives Joe Ranieri no excuse for me doing this, Joe. Okay, there's no excuse for this. All right, this is this actually happened on our show today. Uh, so what happened was, Joe, I was telling, I told you the story, I think previously. How I don't know if I did it when we were on the air, but I think I told you a story about how my parents are always really good at saving stuff, and they always saved all my cards and all my toys through the years, but they threw away the Darth Vader uh, case. I think I told you that. I don't know if I did. Yes, you, all we did. I still have my Darth Vader case. I actually still right. have it. The old Kenner toys, which is kind of weird because the lightsaber, if you remember, Craig, used to come out of a slot in their arm, which is kind of weird. That seems like a, a really weird procedure to have done where the lightsaber yeah. kind of protrudes from your own arm. But I guess, you know, and, and it only came out about six inches, too, is a, or, or like relative, not inches, but you know, like yeah, relative I, I to their size. The have, yeah, yeah, I yeah. showed it on the show. Yeah, but, but here, but can you, if you can see me, Joe, I don't know. So, like, you know who this is, Joe, right? Uh, yes, that is an Ewok right there, yeah. Okay, well, I showed that to Joe Ranieri, and he said, is that Webster? Legitimately asked. Is that <laughs> you mean that little kid who was adopted by Alex hey, Put it up again. Put it up. Let me see. I mean, it was, I don't know why that's the person that came to mind. But, yeah, I'm no. I'm very concerned. <laughs> I'm very concerned for Joe Ranieri all this time in the house uh, without going to a dispensary. It's just been very, very difficult. I think Joe needs Webster again. That's what I think. I think he's forgotten what people look like. You guys are just rough, man. You guys are not rough. I, I'm sorry. I don't know what made me come up with that. We went different strokes. We went a whole lot of different places with an Ewok. I'm just saying. 
It's crazy. Uh, I don't know. How many places I want to go to Neewalk, I'm not sure. Uh, right. I feel like uh, I dated okay. that once. I feel like somebody I dated at one time. My word. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not Webster. The Ewok, the actual Ewok. But I can't. Uh, out here. All right, this show. I don't know if we've passed the PG rating on this yet today. Oh, it's all way right. So <laughs> yeah, it's not going to air. Okay, so uh, so Joe Pizzapia, big Star Wars fan. We created a nice little graphic for you too, Joe, uh, with your top uh, movies of all time, your top five Star Wars movies of all time. Yeah, and I'm biased because obviously, you know, when I think of the Star Wars trilogy, I think of the original ones too. And it's because they were good. It's because George Lucas wasn't allowed to basically do whatever the hell he wanted. So number one, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back is a great standalone movie, period. It's It stands alone. It's a great script. It's a father-son kind of relationship. It's got a lot of great content in there. Written by Lawrence Kasdan, by the way, who also wrote The Big Chill and a lot of other great movies in the 80s. Uh, Rogue One is number two, and maybe maybe it's a hot take that I put it this high, but I feel like that's the adult grown-up Star Wars movie. I kind of love the whole prequel feel to the story leading up to what was going on. I think it was amazing that in Rogue One, they were able to basically give you a movie where you knew it was going to end badly. You knew how it was going to go down, but at the end, you were still somehow feeling for the characters, and you get emotional with it, and I thought that was terrific. New Hope, the original, they got to be top three, because there is nothing without New Hope, uh, especially the right. moment where the stormtrooper hits his head walking in. Somehow nobody caught that in editing and tried to reshoot that. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I actually like The Rise of Skywalker. I actually thought this latest one was pretty good. And number five, um, Return of the Jedi, because I still find it a little far-fetched that the people that Joe Ranier used to date somehow beat the evil empire. I don't know how that happened, but may maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Joe knows more about that than I do. <laughs> it's just a, just a, it's just a gang up. That's all this is. <laughs> You're not getting away with that comment. I mean, since we've been doing the show, that is, I mean, by, I mean, and by the way, uh, Joe Pizzapia. It, it, he said Webster within two seconds of me showing the Ewok. It wasn't even like a joke. Like he had time to process the joke. It was like how, like the first thing he thought of. Listen, Peace of I want to tell you right now, man, it was worth the price of mission just to watch Mish's face the minute the word came out of my mouth, man. It was just, it was worth it. As a matter of fact, we are going to uh, screenshot that and send it to you. You're going to love that. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I also want to know more about the short, hairy women that you seem to be very... Uh, yeah, it was kind of in that same era. A lot of... Bi it was just... Uh, it was an ugly time. Piece the of 70s people. were a weird time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of time at the, at the track, Joe. Yeah, yeah. um, Good point. Okay, so with, with uh, you know, the one thing that, that I didn't do that, uh, you know, certainly we, uh, Piece of P and I see a lot of the Star Wars things very similarly. I like The Force Awakens more than and uh, to Pizza Pizza a little bit. Uh, we both agree on Rogue One for sure. Uh, I I had basically, uh, Joe, the worst Star Wars movie of all time as Attack of the Clones, yeah, followed really. by The Phantom Menace and Solo. Those were the three that I thought that uh, were the worst. Would you put those in that order too before we move on to the character? Attack of the Clones is painfully one of the worst movies ever. If you watch it as a comedy, it's delightful. It is a delightful romp uh, where some of the worst dialogue that's ever been written and, and acted between two people. I actually saw Natalie Portman was doing a masterclass for acting online, which I think is fantastic. That, I think that's hilarious. Uh, but it is, it is so bad and it's almost good, but it's not. That's how bad it, like I want it to be so bad it's good, but it's, it just doesn't even clear that bar, which is so sad that the, the story is all over the place. It's just, it's miserable. The first one could have been a decent movie, had you eliminated the Jar Jar Binks character and had maybe you had the, a couple other, you know, little twists and turns here that were worth it, maybe cut down the pod racer thing that seemed to go on for, I don't know, like an hour of the damn movie, more Darth Maul, more fighting. And I got to be honest, I mean, as someone who was a professional fight choreographer and fight trainer for 20 something years in their life. Star Wars was the reason. I used to run around my house with one of those, you remember these guys from the 80s, one of those like silver metallic flashlights, and I pretended it was a lightsaber. I ran around my house, and eventually I got paid to teach sword fighting, if you can believe it, for uh, the better part of the last two decades. And let me tell you, man, it's all because of Star Wars. And, uh, you know, so I have to kind of give a little love there because my half of my professional life 
is basically probably based in that film. Yeah. All right. So in honor of that and, and here today, I thought that it would be even a deeper dive where we could get the favorite characters of all time from you, Joe, with Star Wars. So uh, go ahead. Take it away. Give me your, give well, your top. These are, these are the Joe Pisa Pia favorite characters. It's number one. It, you have to have Darth Vader. Without Darth Vader, you have nothing. You know, we have Thanos now for my children's generation, and he's great. He snaps his fingers. Everything disappears. I'm sure we all like that power. That'd be fantastic. Uh, I, especially my yard, I got a lot of things to clean up. I like to just snap my fingers and have just half the half the branches just disappear from the last two weeks of rain. But I can't do that. Darth Vader is the coolest. He's got he's got the voice of James Earl Jones. He's got a helmet. He looks awesome. He's got a black cape. He's rocking it. Uh, number two is definitely Han Solo. When you look at him, I mean Han Solo is the coolest of the cool. He's a space cowboy for God's sakes. I mean, what more do you need than that? And then number three, it's Yoda. Yoda, maybe it's because I'm short. Maybe it's because I'm only 5'7". Uh, Yoda does it for me. I, I, I think when he is the most powerful guy in terms of the force that there is, and he is, you know, let's say Webster size, I think that's a very impressive thing. And uh, I'm curious. I'm glad you didn't have a Yoda uh, doll that you hung up there and mm. showed because I don't know where that would have gone. <laughs> but he's even smaller than an Ewok. Yet he has all of this power, and I think we have to respect Yoda. And plus, you got the great Yoda voice. I mean, who doesn't love that? Yeah, I, I think so. So, so I know that when we talked during football season, you wanted to stream uh, the the Mandalorian, and and that's another show, by the way, in the Star Wars family. I didn't do that in my rankings for movies. I left it for basically just to mention at the end. I thought it was uh, very good. It ended up being very good. Did you get around to doing that? I didn't. You know what happened? I had intentions of it. And then I said to the kids, like, look, we'll, we'll wait till the summer to get the whole Disney Plus after school and everything, not knowing we'd be in quarantine and then we'd have all this extra time on our hands. But what happened was I was about to do it and then I got hooked on Ozark and now I'm in that rabbit hole right now. So when Ozark is done, I'm in season three, then we'll get to that next one. But in terms of Star Wars fights, too, that's a ranking worth discussing. I'd still put okay. that Darth Maul two on one fight. That is a fantastic bit of choreography right there. Some of the newer ones, actually, in the last film, some good fighting there with Kylo Ren. I thought there were some really good fights there. And there's a fan film that somebody did of Darth Maul and a bunch of Jedis that might be the best Star Wars fighting I've ever seen. So go to YouTube and just look for a Darth Maul fan film. And it is, I don't know where they get this production level from. They must know Joe Ranieri because the mm -hmm. production level is fantastic. So I'm sure he's behind all of it because I know yeah. he's our tech end here over at Sports Grid. But let me yeah. tell you, that fighting will knock your socks off because, you know, lightsaber, it's a dangerous tool, my friends. Very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, I got to ask you, though, Joe, what is the fear here? As you guys, obviously, you, you love this series. Disney paid $4 trillion for the rights to this. They're going to get their money's worth one way or the other, whether that means making one a year or are you guys, uh, are you worried, Joe, that maybe they uh, they might just drag this thing out beyond the point of uh, interest anymore? Oh, I think they, they basically have already. I yep. think that's the problem. The problem is we, we went from being something we never got to being something we got every year. Yeah. And I think it kind of crushed a little of the, what made it special factor for it, you know? And they had all these other movies like Solo in between and all these other little things. Well, maybe we'll give you one every year, but we'll give you an offshoot movie. And I think there's a little bit of danger there. I think maybe shows like The Mandalorian is a better way to do that. Do more long-form TV stuff with Star Wars. I think that would be great. They're, they're doing this with everything, though. I mean, they're doing a Lord of the Rings thing. Mm. They're going to do another Game of Thrones series. So anything that makes money, we're just going to drive into the ground because nobody wants to make anything new. We just want to redo everything that's already been done, pretty yep. much. That's pretty much. Yep. Oh, good. He's got Webster you. on him. Look at that. There you go. Really? Do yeah, it. When's the reboot of Webster? I mean, that's what I. Who plays Alex Karras? That's what I know. Is it Marshall Yanda? Like, who who do we get? We need a we need like a big, uh, you know, offense or defensive yeah. lineman to play the father. Craig, any ideas? I don't, yeah. I don't know who you got off the top of your head. Uh, Joe Thomas. Joe that could be fun. Joe Staley. I got Joe Staley. Yeah, there you go. He's got nothing going on now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're remaking yeah, those shows terrible. right now. And, may, and maybe we can get, uh, I don't know, MJD to play Webster. Oh. So I don't know. We can get somebody else to play that role. I that's that's that. the tricky cast, I think, right now. Mm -hmm. had, when you said Kylo Ren, uh, Joe, he, in the chat, he put Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say Joe's burned out. I yeah, think he's hit, it's, it's he has hit the, the max quarantine. Yeah. He's officially done. Uh, mm -hmm. Kylo Ren was a character. I don't know about you, Craig. I kind of went back and forth. 
I thought the yeah, Ren Twitter handle was one of the funniest things I ever saw. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically it was uh, all these emo emotional tweets about how my dad doesn't respect me and all these things. And I, I didn't really like Kylo Ren as much as I wanted to early on. It kind of failed for me once he took the mask off. But I think by the end, they kind of saved it. Would you agree? Did, did Kylo Ren do it for you? I did. I thought I thought at the end his, his character was good. But yeah. I mean, the guy who put him into Han Solo was kind of... Yeah, so that's hard. That's hard to survive that. Yeah, well, that's that was the hard part. My my kids were big Star Wars fans. My oldest daughter loves Harrison Ford as Han Solo. They killed Han Solo in the first movie, and she basically threw her hands up like a dealer at a, a craps table and said, "I'm out. That's it. Mm -hmm. No more. I'm done." And uh, so I'm trying to get them back into it. So I'm gonna try, but I'm surprised you like Force Awakens because you are a tough grader, Greg Mish. I know you. I, I know. I didn't. I didn't just, love it, but I thought it was better. That's it's okay. the fourth. It's the it's New Hope. Just basically respawn with different characters. Ooh. Yeah, I was look. I was just excited to have it back, like I was when the Phantom Menace came back. That's why I probably light on both of those. That's that's probably my guess. Uh, listen, before we go, what what would you anticipate? Uh, is anything that you look forward to in the future? I know Disney Plus has had all kinds of issues with you and McGregor uh, playing Obi Wan Kenobi again, but but uh, Renary actually made a good point well i would love to see a clone wars film because if you mm -hmm. haven't seen any of that the uh the animated series of the clone wars was actually quite good and i think there's some mileage you can get out of that so that would be a fun thing to see but you know i i feel like at the end of the day sometimes it's better to you know make new stories and do other things and that's kind of why rogue one was good you know, it was living in that world but it was a whole different offshoot of characters just living in that world and i think that's better than trying to ride the coattails of other older characters you know it's it's kind of like the coaching tree in the nfl yeah there's only one bill belichick and not everybody that falls off that tree necessarily ends up being as successful as him and you could say that about some other coaching trees in the past. Sometimes you just got to leave that alone and go look for greatness elsewhere and go find the next great character or the next great thing. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you again for coming on the show. You can catch Joe on the weekend with Matt Stryker on Diamond Mets covering fantasy baseball, reality baseball, the betting of baseball, and, of course, now the classics of baseball as well. Thanks again, Joe, for coming on. Really appreciate it. May the fourth be with you. Always a pleasure. May the fourth be with you as well. And certainly... May the fourth be with Joe Ranieri. God knows he knows it. Yeah, I need some help. That's what I get for betting on darts. Good God. That's <laughs> <laughs> it for our show here for this Monday. Uh, for my co-host, Joe Ranieri. And thanks again to Joe Pizzi for coming off the show. That will do it. We'll talk to you guys again on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And I hope you guys have a great day, great night. And again, may the fourth Force be with sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com